You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Russell takes the snap, steps up in the pocket, looks, has time. Now he's going to throw. Tyler Lockett looks for the ball. He's got it. Touchdown, Seahawks! Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. The handoff inside to Carson starts up the middle, now bounces it across the line. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks! Powered by Seahawks.com. I wish we were getting you ready for another Seahawks game on Sunday, but unfortunately, we are wrapping up what we saw in this 2020 season. Jen Mueller and John Boyle with you. And John, it has now been a little bit of time since that wild card loss to the Rams. So I'd like for you to rank your level of disappointment now on a scale of one to 10, because nobody's happy at this point, but I do think emotions have fluctuated in the days since that game. Yeah, it's hard. Cause I mean, if you're just talking about the game in the playoff exit, it's pretty high. I mean, look, you're the three seed, you had a home game and you lost granted to a really good opponent. Who's always giving you trouble, but there's, there's no sugarcoating that 12 and four and then being out of the playoffs and then the first round is disappointing. But you also, I, I feel like you do have to balance that against the season as a whole. And a lot of things were really good about the season. So yeah, I don't know if I want to put a number on it. If we're just talking the game itself though, it's, it's a pretty high level of disappointment. You know, I, I would agree with you on that. And I think it depends on where your expectations started at the beginning of the season and not just for the Seahawks team, but I said this during the post game show, I wasn't convinced that we were going to be able to have a full season. There was a point in time where it felt tenuous week to week. So when I have actually pulled back and realized that they completed a season, they made it to the playoffs, the only team to not have a player test positive for COVID. I think the expectations for me were, just different this year. And I think I would have felt the full weight of that disappointment had we been in that locker room following the loss and in that locker room when they were cleaning out their lockers and I'm giving guys hugs and I'm tearing up a little bit knowing that some of these guys aren't going to be back. So the, the separation that Zoom has forced us to have, I think changed my emotions a little bit. Yeah, no, I can see that for sure. And it's, you mentioned that makes it weird. I mean, there's guys who played for the team this year that I never saw in person. And if they're not back, I will never see in person, which is just weird because to your point, we're normally around those guys in the locker room, getting to know them. So just a strange season overall. It is. And we can have our own thoughts of 2020, but it is important to hear from the coach Pete Carroll as he reflects on what this season was like. We had an excellent football season. Um, We lost this last game and uh, we, we, we've, struggled through a lot of challenges and, and we made it through it and defensively we were struggling early we fixed it offensively we were rolling early <clears throat> we, we wound up not doing as well offensively so we were frustrated by by that we're really frustrated by the whole year in that regard that it wasn't a clean year all the way through but uh it it you know i'm not letting this last game <clears throat> it, um dictate the, the way we you know we evaluate this season um because that's not that's not what we should do. We did too many good things and, and learned a lot and have a tremendous future um, in this club right here. The guys that are here, the youth that, that's emerging, um, the leadership that's still here, that's part of it, um, really gives us a chance to have a really, you know, really bright future. And kind of what we were just talking about is Pete's point. Look, they, you can't come out of that game not disappointed in how they played and the result of the game, but that doesn't take away from the fact that they did win 12 games. They won an NFC West title in a really tough division. 
we'll get into all the COVID stuff later, but they handled that better than any team. So it's just, it's tough. Anytime your season ends short of the Super Bowl, we heard players talking about they thought this was a team that really could get there. You know, KJ Wright said probably since 2014, he thought this team had the best chance. So it's hard. It's really hard this week. But as Pete said, there's a lot to like about the season and there's reasons to be real optimistic about the future. And I do think the way the season ends brings to light some things that will get addressed in the off season. And maybe fans don't like what Pete had to say last year about this, but before we hear Pete and his philosophy on running the ball more, I want to ask this, John, had this game ended differently, we might not have been as critical of some of the elements of this loss, whether it was inability to convert on third down. Look, it was awful, but the Seahawks won a game this year against Minnesota by converting zero third downs, right? It would have been easy to kind of just keep going and saying, yep, well, they can take care of it. They can take care of it. Is there any benefit in having this be so stark that there are issues that need to be addressed? I think maybe there can be. Yeah. I mean, maybe you go back and look at 2017. Do they make the changes that they made if that team wins a couple more games and makes the wild card round and doesn't miss the playoffs? I don't know. We, you know, maybe everything's the same either way, but sometimes, yeah, that kind of kick in the butt can, can lead to some changes and whether it's things Pete Carroll talked about, they need to do offensively. I think he would have felt the same way about the offense. If they had won that game, just like the last game, the 20 to nine win over the Rams and maybe won a couple more low scoring playoff games. I think he still would have had the same thoughts about needing to change the offense a little bit to adjust to what teams were doing. But I, I do think there's some truth to that, that sometimes when you really kind of get a really disappointing end to a season that it can open some eyes and lead to change. Well, and here is what Pete Carroll would like to see change for next year. It is something that we have heard him say before, but it gets put in a different light and a new reality, the importance of running the ball. It's really a football thing. It's a scheme thing. And um, I want to see if, if, if we can run the ball more effectively to, to, to f- focus the, the play of the, you know, the opponents and, and see if we can, we can force them to do things like we'd like them to do more, like we have been able to do that in the past. That doesn't mean we're going to run the ball 50 times a game. It, it means we need to run the ball uh, with, with direction and focus and style that allows us to, uh, to dictate the game. And uh, so, you know, I, I mean, I just frankly, I'd like to not play against 2D looks all, all you know, season long next year. And so we have to be able to get that done. It's not just the running game. It is the style of passes that, that will help us some, but it is, it, it is we, ha- we have to get after it a little bit differently. Yeah, and that's when Pete Carroll talks about balance. He's been saying this for years, and I think too many people think that means they're going to run it 50% of the time and throw it 50% of the time. And that's not what Pete's ever meant by it, and it's not what he's talking about here. It's He wants them to be able to – we saw this through a couple games last year, I think Minnesota and one other game where teams were playing this kind of look, and the Seahawks just ran like crazy on them and ran really well and kind of got defenses out of that, and they didn't do that as much this year. They ran some and they had success when they did, but they never really ran any teams out of playing them that style of defense. And that's what Pete's talking about. If, you know, they tried to do some more of the short passing game and it just wasn't really clicking for them. So the solution then as Pete sees it is run it, run it successfully and make teams change how they defend you. Well, and I have this question, you know, there was a point in time during that rough stretch of games for the Seahawks in the middle of the year. They did not have their top two running backs. Chris Carson, yeah. Carlos Hyde were out. And I'm curious, I, I just had this conversation. You know, look, 
they did the best they could with DJ Dallas and with Alex Collins running the ball. Do you think the season would have been differently, ended differently, had you not lost both of your top two running backs for the same game? Because then you got away from even trying to call that because it wasn't as effective with the backups. And so it became harder to get back into a rhythm. Like what happens if one of those guys would have been healthy during that stretch? I mean, maybe I, I would trying to figure out how to phrase this. Yes and no. I mean, I, as Pete Carroll talked about, they kind of got a little enamored with the passing game early in the season. We're slow to get out of it. But that stretch we're talking about the injuries was not, it wasn't week 16 and week 17. We're talking midseason. They had enough time with Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde back that if they had really wanted to commit to that identity and trying to, again, run teams out of those looks, they had the time to do it. So, uh, you know, if anything, maybe what changes is maybe you win a game in that stretch of three losses in four weeks and you get home field advantage. To me, that's the bigger change is you're, you're one week away from not playing this past weekend or, or having a different opponent. So yes and no, I think there's something to that, but I, I would kind of buy that narrative a little more had those injuries come a little later in the year. Yeah. I just, I just wonder how hard it is to get back to those play calling to that style of play calling when you've gone away from it for three or four games. And then it, it, look, it it didn't seem like they were on the same page with an offensive game plan from week to week, right? There was something that just felt disjointed most weeks. I don't know that it would have made a difference, but I also don't know the true impact of those games when it comes to personnel, when it comes to play calling. I would also say this, John, to your point about you might have just gotten a bye last weekend. Any other matchup would have favored the Seahawks. Yeah. Any other team, any other matchup, I don't care who it was, would have favored the Seahawks. Oh, for sure. I mean, we've we've known this for years, that the Rams are a really tough matchup for the Seahawks. They give them fits defensively for years. I mean, Aaron Dolan's at the center of that, so... Yeah, I mean, it's still disappointing to lose a playoff game as a three seed. You've got the home game. But as soon as you saw that bracket come out in the seedings, you knew, okay, this is probably tougher than it would have been against Arizona or Chicago or I don't know about Tampa. We, you know, we never see them. But yeah, it again, it's it's disappointing no matter what, especially when you factor in their quarterback situation and whatnot. But you knew that was not going to be an easy game from the second we saw the schedule. And before we look at some specific personnel and the impact that they had, I want to back up one more minute when we talk about run pass, because this is what everybody's going to be talking about during the off season, right? Because it looked really glamorous for those first five weeks of the season when Russ is taking deep shots down the field. You can't just change the offensive identity of a team in a single season or mid-season. Pete Carroll has always been a coach who wants to run the ball. The entire team is built around this. The defense is built around having an offense that can control the clock and run the ball. The offensive line is built around a team that can run the ball. The receiving core, this is not this is not just a matter of, hey, look, if we call more of these plays, like pass play, we just need different pass plays. That's not how this works. When Pete said this is a football thing, it is a football team thing. So the conversations that take place in the offseason about who do you draft and changes that you make, you're not going to change and do a complete 180 regardless because it's not just one decision. Yeah, I do think we we did see some of the changes they made to the offensive line in the offseason, signing Brandon Shell. Uh, you know, I think they went out and got some guys they thought could pass protect a little better, knowing obviously that they were going to 
turn a little more to the passing game this year. So they did make some attempts at that, but you're right. I mean, it's, it's more than just making changes week to week. You, you've got to kind of build your roster to fit a certain style. We'll see what happens this off season. I mean, they, they've got a lot of pieces they need already to be a good running team. Pete Carroll mentioned wanting to bolster that interior line. There's some, you know, free agency question marks there. So we'll see what it all looks like, you know, once the dust settles this off season, but yeah, they're, they're going to figure out what they want to do offensively and, and work towards it this off season. Well, and what we saw was a huge bright spot in DK Metcalf and let's not overlook Single season receiving record for DK Tyler Lockett sets a record. The offense scores the most points that they've ever scored. Jason Myers had a heck of a year. Jamal Adams sets a sack racket record and leads the team um, in sacks. So there was a lot of good things that took place in the 2020 season. And when we talk about DK Metcalf, look, you knew that there was a lot of talent there, but the step he took from year one to two was massive. And Pete Carroll sees even bigger things in his future. DK is going to continue to grow. He's just just tapping into it, you know. Uh, um, and, and it'll come from consistency. Uh, it comes from consistency in his blocking, um, which he's a monster, you know, factor. Uh, it'll he'll grow uh, in, in the finesse part of running his routes and getting open in this field in the sense uh, of spacing and, and positioning and, and all of that he has all of those things that he can excel at he can excel at everything and so um, it's it's just like a palette you know that he, he he can draw from so many different areas he's just going to keep pushing the great thing about uh, DK is that he, he it's so important to him and he cares so much and he'll work so hard um, just so grateful that he made it through the season healthy so that he can have a great offseason again. So many of our guys walk out of here, um, that walk out of here, you know, and not limp out of here. And, and uh, that's a really positive thing for the future. Yeah, and as Pete Carroll just said, what what's most impressive and encouraging is how much growth we've seen and how young and relatively inexperienced he still is. That's a hard position in this league to just jump in and play well. So that we're talking about he's already done things never done in franchise history before 1300 receiving yards. He had the 10 touchdowns. Just, I mean, if he could just repeat that season every year, that's a great career, but they're expecting more. He's expecting more. And I do think we saw later in the years that went along, they were finding more ways to use him. He was, you know, doing more of the intermediate stuff. We saw, you know, the, the previous Rams game where he had the six catches and a lot of it was third down moving the chains kind of stuff. Um, and then later in this game, they got him involved. It's, you know, the deep ball is always going to be a huge part of his game, but the more he develops all that kind of game, the, the more dangerous he's going to be. Yeah. And it'll be really fun to see what he can do. He was definitely an impact player on offense, the defensive side of the ball. Everybody wondered if Jamal Adams and that trade was going to be worth it. I don't think there's, any question that he was, the productivity was amazing and he missed time with injuries and just made a big difference on defense, as Pete Carroll noted. Jamal had an incredible role in this season. Uh, the juice that he brought, the competitiveness, the attitude of, of toughness, you just couldn't miss it. He was banged up a good part of the season he was hurt you know and he played really hurt in this last game and, and he found a way to do it and uh we thought it would be better there was a question you know is he going to be able to play effective enough to let him play um but i just his will was so strong and he just didn't want to he just wouldn't would be denied on it and i wanted him to be part of it um so uh you know he but he had to struggle through some plays in this game as you, as you see when you look when you watch closely his toughness is just undeniably there. I mean, he is unbelievably, you know, he, um, he might have 
self-proclaimed the warrior mentality or whatever he said about himself. That's the truth. That's what he lives up to. And that's what he, he, he is. Yeah. And that's, you know, what, what stood out to me about Jamal Adams was, I mean, the sacks are the first thing, obviously, but just, it was kind of the big play, big moment ability, you know, the chasing down the Rams running back at the goal line and then making another tackle on that goal line stand, chasing down Cam Newton in the red zone. Just the guy has a knack for making plays. And yeah, he, he was a little limited with that shoulder that showed on Saturday, but he's a phenomenal player and he should only be better next year. We talked about so much with this defense things turning mid season. And a lot of it was kind of that cohesion, the secondary formed. He's now going to have a full off season. He's going to have training camp. He's going to be much more comfortable in this defense and with what the Seahawks are asking of him. And that should just make him a more complete player next year. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. He is unfortunately one of those guys that has to have surgery and rehab, but I do think he is in a better position when he comes back next year. And I think the guys playing around him are in a better position to know how to react and to play alongside Jamal because it is a different style than they've had back there at safety. And it takes a while to figure out how he's reading, what he's seen. You know that there's times he's leaving his assignment because he saw something else, but his teammates need to know when that's happening so that they can pick up the slack a little bit. I think all of that gets a lot better next year. When you talk about teammates on that side of the ball, I started the campaign a few weeks ago it is always because I am biased towards this player, but KJ Wright was unbelievable this year. Bring KJ back. You're going to make a sign? Yes. And I'm going to start my own little parade. I just, I mean, look, I don't, it's not just me, the ratings that he's getting across the league, the tackles for loss. Oh, he's been awesome. He was on top of it. And I hope that when Pete Carroll says this, it means that he is, in fact, trying to bring KJ back. He's a really good football player. And when we put him back outside, he had a great year. He was a factor all year long in the running game and in the passing game. Um, so many timely plays he made. He had a terrific season, Man, maybe his best season. You know, So um, uh, I'm hope, hoping he's coming back and playing for us and we've got a, a real clear cut role for him. It doesn't matter how old he is, you know, how many numbers he's got, it's how he plays and he played really good. You know how many players had double-digit tackles for loss and double-digit passes defense this year? One. KJ Wright, only player in the league. And just, it, as Pete Carroll said, it, was, it wasn't it was a move KJ Wright really wanted to make. He likes, he's been a weak side linebacker off the ball most of his career. He likes playing back there. We've talked about it before last year when they had Michael Kendricks and how are you going to get all those guys on the field? And KJ made it pretty clear he wasn't playing Sam last year. Bruce Irvin goes down. It makes the most sense to get Jordan Brooks on the field at the weak side spot. And it worked out great, not just because KJ played awesome, but also we saw a young, really good player in Jordan Brooks emerge in that role. So yeah, I, you know, KJ made it really clear. He wants to play another year and be back and Pete Carroll wants him back. I and mean, there's obviously always the business side of it. It's not as easy as two people saying they want it to happen. So we'll have to see what happens, but yeah, just phenomenal year in year 10 arguably his best one yet and it'd be awesome to see him back and i love how it's characterized the older guys you're like yeah i i know what that means in football terms and i just it makes me laugh yeah. i mean they're practically dead by the time you get to be our age john i mean you're practically dead yeah, like I mean, I if, don't, you're, if you're 30 you, you probably are retired down downhill eating breakfast yeah, at four o'clock or dinner <laughs> at four o'clock and yeah <laughs> 
Uh, you touched on Bruce Irvin. You know, it is amazing. Bruce Irvin played just two games. So did Marquise Blair. That is a name that we have not talked about in a very long time. This secondary would have looked a lot different with Marquise Blair. And that's something to factor in. As you consider the personnel moves the Seahawks are going to make going forward, you've got two corners that are unre- or that are free agents. You got to figure out what's going to happen at a couple of spots. Just a quick update. Bruce Irvin had to have another surgery. The first surgery on his ACL needed a little support, according to Pete Carroll. So he went back under the knife. His progress is a little bit slowed. Marquise Blair is, I don't know that Pete said ahead of schedule necessarily, but he is off and running and and he's doing his thing. He's going to make a big impact coming back. Um, I have to say, John, just in general, I like the potential pieces that are in the secondary next year. Oh, for sure. I mean, you got DJ Reed was so good coming in, taking over starting role and playing so well that he kept it even when they got some players back. Ugo Amadi played great taking over that nickel role with Blair out. So you've got a lot of options. There are some free agent questions. Uh, Shaq's going to be a free agent. Uh, Quentin Dunbar is a free agent. Thank you. Quentin Dunbar is going to be a free agent. There's too many Quintons and Quandres and Dunbars and Diggs is Dunlaps. Dunlaps. And- <laughs> it's, it's a confusing roster for me to just spout off. Anyway, there are some questions for agency wise, but you're right. They've got a lot of really good pieces they like. And I think, you know, because it happened so early in the year and they moved on and did well with Ugo Amadi, we kind of forgot about how good Marquis Blair looked in training. I mean, I go back to all the stuff in training camp we were talking about probably the two most consistent, like splashy while wow, that guy is showing up other than, you know, the obvious Jamal Adams, Bobby Wagner of the young guys who are really impressing. It was DK Metcalf and Blair every day. And I mean, obviously DK Metcalf built off that to have a fantastic season. I think we would have seen Blair do the same had he been healthy. So not sure how it all fits together. We got to wait and see who's back and how they want to use guys, but I am really excited about the pieces they have in that secondary. You know, when you were saying the all the names of players and how confusing the roster is, it also brought to mind this, the player that I wish I could have met in person and actually talked to is Carlos Dunlap. Yes. I, like it's that's so the one. And I, I've done some interviews with Jamal. I feel like I've talked to him and I've gotten to know him a little bit, but Carlos to me is the one I just want to sit down. I just want to pick his brain and have a conversation. I I just, that's, that's my guy. That's the one that I missed out on talking to. And not to mention he owns a restaurant so you could talk food with him. I know there's so many things. He had the best quote of the year. The universe just wants me to win. I mean, I've got a whole list of questions that he's going to be bombarded with. I also did not get a chance to talk to any of the rookies in person this year. I know the same is true for you. Here's where we're going to wrap up our conversation. There's a lot Uh, of positive things in the organization. We've talked about the guys that we've seen on the field. A lot of them are veterans, but Pete Carroll says, don't overlook this rookie class. There's a lot that they've got to build on. Really liked the group. I thought that they... They just found a way to, to, to be a factor and help us out. Their spirit was really good. Uh, they were led well uh, by their, their teammates. Um, and, and I say that because their attitude was consistent. Uh, they made it through. There was no, you know, freshman dip or anything, you know, in, in first time around. You know, we played 17 games and, and these guys hung throughout the whole thing. You know, so this is a really good group and, and uh, they'll help more next year. They'll be a bigger factor next year. 
And John, I can't wait to see what happens when those rookies have an entire offseason that might be a little bit more normal. We don't know what OTAs are going to look like. I'm sure that virtual meetings will still be a thing, but I can only imagine how much more comfortable they'll be and productive after a full season. Oh, for sure. I mean, we talked going back to this past training camp, how hard of a year this was going to be for rookies. And the Seahawks actually drafted somewhat aware of that, that they picked a lot of guys, you know, other than Stefan Sullivan, it was a lot of guys that they knew were, you know, experienced guys played a lot in big programs and could come in and play right away. And we, we saw really good contributions out of that group already. And a lot of guys they have even higher hopes for. I mean, I, I feel like we just started to see what Jordan Brooks can really be. Daryl Taylor finally got on the practice field and Pete Carroll was very excited what they saw. So there's just a lot of pieces to be excited about both the guys we already saw and guys who maybe didn't play a lot like a Colby Parkinson who has a chance to, to pick up a bigger role. So I'm really excited about this class going forward and and they're going to need big contributions out of it because look, they don't have a ton they're working with this year. So they're, they're going to need to count on maybe these past two draft classes to fill that void. Yeah, I was going to say the Seahawks do not have as many draft picks this season because of that trade for Jamal Adams, which which we've already mentioned, was well worth it when you look at the impact that he made. But you know that John Schneider is going to work his magic somehow because there's no way that he doesn't make some moves. And there's no way the Seahawks were going to let him go anywhere else. John Schneider will be the Seahawks GM through that 2020. 27 draft. That sounds that sounds like so far into the future to me, John. 2027. Yeah, it's like it's hard to contemplate what that means. I think about like how old are my kids going to be then? But yeah, fantastic news for the Seahawks. Pete Carroll, we know earlier this year signed the extension through the 2025 season. Now Schneider's extended that long and an extra season on top of that. So it's great news, not just it, it's always been with Pete and John every time, you know, one of these guys gets a new contract. It's not just about keeping that guy because he's really good at what he does. It's about keeping both of them together because that partnership has just been amazing over the last decade plus now. The, the results they produced are pretty much unmatched in the NFL minus what New England was doing during the Tom Brady Belichick run. But it's, yeah, fantastic news. John Shire's not going anywhere and we get to see those two work their magic for at least another five, six seasons together. But it's going to be a little while before you and I can work our magic again on this podcast, my friend. Yeah, sadly, I was hoping we'd be doing this for a few more weeks. I mean, we can, there's just not going to be as much to talk about. And I think NASA would like to take a break. Our producer. He's been a busy, busy man. He has been very busy. He has kept it all together and made sure that we stayed on the air. It's been an amazing effort on his part. It's always great to talk Seahawks football. I think we should probably do this a couple of times during the off season to stay updated on some of those headlines. And maybe one day we will be back to doing this in person. And on that note, because John is only giving me the nod, he is too choked up and teary-eyed. I thought that was your walk-off, Jen. I didn't want to, I had nothing to add to it. You were so good. You were too choked up and teary-eyed, John. Just admit it. It's emotional. It's emotional. It is emotional to sign off for this edition of the Seahawks Insiders Podcast. But of course, we will be back with you again as the Seahawks turn the page and get ready for 2021.